Welcome to this podcast of the Episcopal Church in Venice, Florida, Good Shepherd. Today is Palm Sunday, and Father Joe Hudson will be preaching, and here are some questions. As you listen, see if you can answer the questions. Why did the Jewish leaders ask to have Jesus crucified? Second, how did Jesus shake up the Jewish faith? And third, what were the three charges brought against Jesus? One group called it a perversion of the nation of Israel and its rule of law. Another group called it the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. So what was going on here? Was Jesus destroying the foundation of a nation, or was his ultimate goal the rebuilding and restoration of something far more liberating, life-giving, and glorious? Well, it depended on your frame of reference. 2,000 years ago, Jesus faced death, execution by crucifixion. What was the crime that demanded such an extreme form of punishment? What was it that sent Jesus to the cross? Oh, we could say that his death was for our sins, but that is not the reason the political and religious system of his day nailed him to that wood. It was the hands of the Jewish religious leaders that were stained red with the guilt of Jesus' crucifixion. So why did the leaders do it? Why did the Sadducees and Pharisees and scribes and Sanhedrin stir the people up demanding crucifixion? To understand their reasoning, we need to understand their culture and religion. We need to look back to the founding generations. Abraham was the father of the Hebrew people His son Isaac had a son Jacob, who was later named Israel. It was the descendants of Israel who, over a period of hundreds and hundreds of years, established the Jewish culture and their religious belief system. Moses, one of Israel's descendants, led their people out of Egyptian slavery. He was given the Ten Commandments said to be written on stone from the very finger of God. Over time, God gave these people many further directions about what to eat and how to eat it, who to associate with and where you could travel. For centuries, faithful Jews obeyed this long list of commandments. Many of these directives had been given directly from God. Well, you really couldn't question the authority by which they grounded their faith. Centuries after the establishment of the Jewish people and the Jewish religion, an insignificant child was born who grew up to be a teacher, a rabbi. He began to shake up the very foundation of the Jewish faith. Throughout, through his words and his actions, he started scratching out and editing many of the Jewish commandments. Oh, he may have said that he had not come to abolish the law or the prophets, but to fulfill them. 
But to the civil and religious authorities, it sure seemed that that was exactly what he was doing. He was messing with ceremonial washing and the Sabbath and who could be considered as part of the faithful community and many other requirements. He was rewriting centuries upon centuries of religious Jewish law. Things were building towards an ugly crescendo. One day the Roman governor, Pilate, looked out at an angry Jewish crowd before him, a mob upset that Jesus was destroying their religion. The tension in the air was palpable. Pilate was nervous. The last thing the governor wanted was a riot on his hands and in his record. Pilate tried diplomatically to quell the conflagration that was building. He told the crowd, you brought me this man as one who was perverting the people, and here I have examined him in your presence and have not found this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither has Herod the king, for he sent him back to us. Indeed, he has done nothing to deserve death. The Jewish religious leaders had charged Jesus with forbidding the people from paying taxes to the Roman emperor, claiming to be a king and perverting the nation. These were all very serious charges. Was he guilty? Let's consider each accusation. The religious leaders claimed that Jesus was telling people not to pay taxes to Rome. Well, this charge was blatantly false. Evidence could be found even in Jesus' very words. One day while teaching, he was asked whether it was right to pay taxes to Caesar. In response, Jesus asked for a Roman coin. He looked at the coin with the image of the Roman emperor on it. He told the people to give to Caesar what belonged to Caesar. In other words, he was saying, it's a Roman coin, don't refuse to pay it to Rome. The second charge against Jesus was that he was claiming to be a king. Now, if true, this charge would put Jesus in direct opposition to the Roman emperor. Pilate asked Jesus if he were indeed a king. Jesus first responded a bit cryptically, you say that I am. Well, when pressed further, he admitted to being a king. However, he said that his kingdom was not of this world. I believe that as Pilate looked at Jesus that day, what he saw was a humble, meek man. This was no rabble-rousing, defiant king that would be a threat to the rule of Rome. In his eyes, Jesus was some weak, impotent peasant from backwoods Palestine. How about the third charge? That he was perverting the nation. Well, as far as the Jewish authorities were concerned, there was already a much greater perversion going on. You see, the very presence of a Roman occupying force in Palestine had already greatly perverted and sullied the nation. But Pilate could care less, frankly, about any perversion of the Jewish nation, so long as it doesn't, didn't cause a full-scale riot. That would cause a mess that you'd have to squash with military force, and again, he didn't want to have to deal with that. So as Pilate answered the charges brought against Jesus, it was only that third one, that he was perverting the nation, that Pilate responded to. 
Let's take a closer look at that charge. Notice that the Jewish religious leaders did not say that Jesus was perverting the Jewish religion. Instead, they said he was perverting the Jewish nation. In their minds, there was no clear separation between civil and religious life. The Jewish religious council, the Sanhedrin, managed many civil matters of their society along with all religious concerns. So in their minds, to pervert the religion was to pervert the nation and vice versa. The Greek word translated here as perverting, in other translations of the Bible, the word is used misleading or subverting or revolt. The sense of the word is to cause to turn or to turn away from an established direction or an established philosophy or belief system. The Jewish religious leaders saw Jesus as a threat to their nation because he was turning the people from the truth and the commandments. He was perverting and undermining their well-established beliefs and way of life. Their religion had withstood the test of time. It had endured centuries of testing and struggle and hardship and slavery and war. It was not always an easy religion to adhere to. There were many aspects of their faith that the people found difficult and demanding and at times, admittedly, could be somewhat severe. And yet, everybody had to deal with the same religious challenges. Everyone knew their place in the system. They all followed the same dictates and parameters of their faith. There was a comfort in knowing who they were as God's chosen people, and that they held these beliefs and rituals and behaviors in common with their neighbors and fellow citizens. Everyone came from a similar frame of reference and outlook on life. Everyone looked familiar, spoke with a similar accent, and adhered to the same social norms. But then, this soft-spoken, passionate rabbi showed up and began to cause a stir. He was known to speak with women who were not members of his family. One of his own disciples was a despised tax collector. He sat down to meals with riffraff and sinners. He disobeyed the law. He touched the unclean, lepers and blind people. There could be no doubt in the eyes of the religious authorities that Jesus was indeed a sinner. He was perverting the Jewish nation. He was destroying the very foundation of their people. But was Jesus really intent on destroying Judaism? No, he wasn't. But he was calling in question the law by which the religious leaders evaluated and critiqued every aspect of Jewish life. So in a sense, you could say, yes, Jesus was subverting the Jewish nation. He was saying that instead of evaluating and critiquing the Jewish people based on the law, there was a better and higher law from which to evaluate life. It was the law of love. The religious authorities and devout Jews called what Jesus and his disciples were doing a perversion or subversion of the nation of Israel and its rule of law. Jesus and his disciples called it the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. 
the Jewish religious system had changed very little over hundreds of years. But the reign of God is always evolving and changing and growing and reaching out in new and beautiful ways, bringing the light and love of God into every aspect of faith and society. May the kingdom of God continue to pervert and subvert all systems that need changing, that hinder growth in love. Why did the Jewish leaders ask to have Jesus crucified? Second, how did Jesus shake up the Jewish faith? And third, what were the three charges brought against Jesus? <laughs> 